Hey guys, before we get started on today's episode, I wanted to let you know that we officially have the doors open to a free workshop on consistent content, building consistent content. If you are a content creator or you want to be, then this workshop is for you. If you struggle with starting finishing, staying consistent, being on a schedule, showing up, doing all the things you know you should do, but who has the time for it? Well, I put together a free workshop that shows you exactly how I'm able to produce so much content without freaking out every single day. That should have been the name of the the workshop, but you can access that by going to heatherparity.com forward slash workshop, or you can click the link in the show notes. Again, that is heatherparity.com forward slash workshop. Not only is our body potentially too big, but maybe so is our voice or our emotions or our ambition. We find ourselves invited to be smaller at the boardroom table. I've always felt immense fear. I was born with several palsy. I have always felt small. I may be blind, but I teach people how to see. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up. Use their voice and make an impact in this world. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. If this is your first time listening, my name is Heather Parody. I am your host, and I'm really excited about today's interview. It's unlike anything I've ever done here on the show. We're talking about body image. And what I loved about this conversation is not only did I learn a ton from Sarah Stevens, our guest, she just has an incredible way with communicating and storytelling and words, but I have never thought about the link between body image and how that parallels with how we show up in the world, whether we show up fully or we shrink back. In 2018, Sarah launched the beautiful project as an entrepreneurial effort that combined her past professional experience with her commitment to pursuing purposeful work. And using the power of collective storytelling, the project invites women to challenge the notion that they must shrink in order to fit and supports them as they learn to use their voice and take up space. I was connected with Sarah through a mutual friend of ours who shared with me a powerful TED Talk that she did on this topic. I will link that in the show notes. Definitely check it out. And when I saw it, I knew I wanted to connect with her because I know as leaders, it's something that we face over and over and over again is this this fear of being too much or feeling pressured to shrink who we truly are deep down. And one of my favorite parts of this interview is when I asked Sarah about how do you balance self-improvement and growth with also self-acceptance? And she nailed it with her response. So cannot wait to share this interview with you. But before we get started, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, please look down at your cell phone, hit that subscribe button. And if you have an iPhone, go to your podcasting app, or if you have an iTunes app, you can also leave us a review there. I would greatly appreciate it. All right, my friends, let's get into this powerful interview with Sarah Stevens. 
it started from this place of uh, body positivity, sort of based on my own story uh, of struggling with body image my entire life from my earliest memory, really. There was an experience when I was, uh, it was a few years ago, I had just gone to a, a doctor and um, this doctor was actually a friend of mine. We had been connected for years before this and we were talking about my continual struggle to lose weight and uh, her solution at that time, because this is the best answer she had available, she said, what if we just prescribed speed? Um, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, because based on all of this historical uh, eating challenges I'd had with food and movement and all of the restricting I'd done to my body, um, I'd done all this damage to my metabolism. So in an absence of another solution, amphetamines were the were, were what she had to offer me. Now, I would love to tell you in that moment that I knew for sure that I um, wasn't going to take the speed, but that isn't what happened. I took the prescription. I sat in my car. Um, I, I really think somewhere in me, there was this tiny glimmer of hope that maybe this could be the solution for me because it's all I had been obsessed with my entire life. So I was craving this freedom, right? Like I, I don't, I don't want to have to obsess about shrinking anymore. I, I knew there was something more in me that wanted to take up space, but I felt like I just needed to fix my body first. I sat in my car and spent some time um, kind of with that devil angel thing, you know, like one shoulder, there's the angel, the other one, there's sort of the, the devil. And I thought about uh, my own daughter is what happened. I thought about my teenage daughter. And right now my teenage daughter looks the way that um, I think the world maybe expects her to look but I don't know that that will always be the case for her. So I thought about her sitting in her car at 41 years old, holding a prescription for speed in her hand. Uh, and in that moment, I, I knew the decision I needed to make to model for her the behavior I wanted her to be able to choose in her life. And then I realized that just modeling it myself probably wasn't going to be enough. And sitting in my car, holding that prescription for amphetamines in my hand, I thought about, I thought about this concept of a chorus of courage you know, what if we could add voices to my voice um, that would invite her and every woman I know to take up space, whatever that means for them. And so really kind of from that place, this idea of a storytelling collective was born because I really think that we understand ourselves often by way of other people holding up a mirror with their own stories. The words you use are so <laughs> powerful and I don't know I think every word that you, you just used was said with intention like sure. shrink yes fill up space yeah so much deeper um than probably original intent which was the body positivity movement where it can really apply to a lot of different areas it does assuming so tell it me does. a little bit about what those words mean to you shrink fill up space what does that mean uh I'm often asked if this is just, you know, I put in air quotes, just a body positive movement. And it's not just that, but I think it does start with this message that almost every woman I talk to, um, we've almost all gotten the message that, uh, that shrinking in order to fit. It starts with our body, but then it spreads out like ripples in a pond, right? So then we start to understand that maybe not only is our body potentially too big, but maybe so is our voice or our emotions or our ambition. We find ourselves invited to be smaller at the boardroom table and in the bedroom and every place in between, right? So, so we find ourselves thinking things like, did I say too much at that meeting? Or did I laugh too loud? Or 
you know, I've spent, I spend a lot of time holding space for stories with women. And I hear my own voice in that where we're second guessing every single thing about what we're doing in the world and how much space we're taking up when we do that. So it, it sort of has always made me think about that scene. There's this movie, What Women Want, Mel Gibson, 90s, maybe early 2000s. I don't really remember. Okay. I remember. Okay, great, great movie. So there's this scene where he um, is running in the park and he's running by all these women and now he has access to what's in their head. And if you watch that scene, it's exactly what I'm talking about. So these women are running and all they're thinking about is, did I do it wrong? Was I too big? Was I too much? And then there's this one woman who runs by him and she's counting calories for pats of butter and um, a piece of toast. And here's what I think about all of that. I think that all of that is a distraction um, from the potential and purpose that we have in the world. If I'm so busy being obsessed by this notion of I'm too much, I'm too big, how do I get smaller? Then I, do I have any space left to actually do the thing I'm here to do? Right? Carol. <laughs> Getting excited over here. Okay, good. Yes, but but tell me, how, where was this transition for you? Because I guarantee you, every woman who's listening to this is like Sarah. Yes, I I can relate to that in some way, but understanding it conceptually and actually being able to mm. step in to mm. your 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 purpose and filling in that space and actually becoming all of that—that's another thing. So implementation of it, owning that yeah. space, stepping yeah. into that. Tell me about the transition from you sitting in that car with that prescription bottle into where you're at now, where you're, you know, sharing this message, starting this project, doing TED Talks and really stepping into your space. Like what was the transition there? How did you do it? Yeah. What did that look like? So um, it started by going home and, uh, you know, saying to my, uh, telling my wife about what had just happened uh, and making that very clear choice out loud that if all of the decisions in my life about my body had led me to this point where the only solution was for me to do damage to my body to solve the problem, then I didn't want anything to do with anything in that path anymore. Like I wanted off of that train permanently. So it started with things for me because all of this shrinking, um, from my earliest memory, I remember uh, I have this memory of being in kindergarten and being really enthusiastic about something and the adults in the room kind of like winking and smiling like, isn't she cute? But I've, I've uh, stored that narrative as being silly and too silly, you know? So um, that translated for me in this way that was really body centric. And so the way out for me had to be um, through my body. So it translated into things like uh, I threw the prescription away. I also threw out my scale. I made a commitment um, to learn how to trust my body. I, no one had ever talked to me about body trust. I didn't even know that that was a thing. You know, like yeah. uh, I had always tried to figure out how to eat based on external rules about, I mean, I can still look at a table and um, count all the points and carbs and macros on the table without even trying. So it had to be a firm commitment for me to abandon anything related to diet culture because all of the other shrinking was related to this idea that when people saw me, I was too much. And then I would not just translate that physically, but then how do I shrink my ideas and my ambitions? So for me, it was a very body-centric solution. I think that's probably relatable for most people, but potentially different because we all have narratives, the ones that are stuck in our head about how we were too much somewhere doesn't have to be about body size, but for me, that's what it was. So it was a commitment to step out of diet culture and then to just at first allow myself 
the experience of what kind of space that created in me, right? So now I'm not obsessing about carbs and calories and how many steps I've taken today. So now there's space inside of me. What do I do with it? Mm. Well, what I did with it was um, invite other women to do it with me because that is ultimately, um, you know, I, there's so much, we put a lot of sort of moral value in this idea of pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and I can go it alone. And that makes us strong women. Uh, but part of what makes women strong, I think, is our innate ability to connect to each other and really hold each other up. And so I started the project. Uh, the project originally was just going to be my own writing. I love to write. But very quickly, it became obvious that what I needed was this collective, this storytelling collective. So how I started to take up space was to move the things that were taking up space inside of me and then and then to respond to that intuition about what is it that invites me to be full in the world. What so does invite you? To be full in the world. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's watching other women wake up to their own power. You know, it really is. I, I could tell you 20 stories and you don't have a long enough podcast, which is fine, but I could tell you 20 stories that would blow your mind about um, what has happened for women who've interacted with this project. Tell me one. Sure. On the other side of the TED Talk, so I, and the TED Talk's related, we haven't talked about it much and we can touch on it in a minute, but the, the message of the TED Talk is very much related to the message of the project. So, so the TED Talk is about being stripped. It's, it's called Stripped, the Art of Being Seen. And in it, I talk about my experience navigating in a large body. In the talk, I use the word fat because I don't see that as a moral indictment for me. It's a descriptor of it's like I have curly hair, you know? So, um, so I talk about my experience of navigating the world this way and how, and how that had shrunk in me. And, um, and then as a part of the talk, I incorporate this notion of, but really my power is to strip off the layers that hide me from you. And so <clears throat> I also demonstrate this in real life on stage. And um, so I did the talk. It was extraordinarily powerful experience for me, transformative. Mm -hmm. The video dropped about a month later. And so the day the video dropped, we shared it to the Beautiful Project's Facebook page and let it do what it needed to do on social media. Um, I got a ton of extraordinary feedback, but there was one story in particular, in particular that stood out to me. It was a woman who posted to the page, and it was a photo of her standing on a um, paddleboard, and she was in a two-piece suit. And she had the oar raised over her head. And she captioned it by saying uh, to Sarah and the Beautiful Project, I've been hanging on to this photo for an entire year. Never mind that I'm doing something I love with somebody I love. I couldn't post it because I was worried that other people would see the cellulite on my legs. And so she posted it that day and she said, um, Sarah, thank you for going first and showing the rest of us how to be courageous those things are transformative. Like when we're invited to show up with all of ourselves that way and say, this is who I am, then we are freed to do any other thing in the world. Yeah. And I've watched that happen over and over. I have stories from women who have struggled their entire lives with their body image and, and have found themselves passing that on to their children and um, there are stories of these women sitting in dressing rooms with their, with their daughters and and encouraging them to put on the two-piece swimsuit because that's what they want to wear. Like yeah. there's just this freedom in saying, this is just it. This is it. This is yeah. who I am. What would you say to someone? I'm sure you've heard this. Um, 
where's the balance between mm. acceptance versus yeah. improvement and awareness and growing? What yeah. I hear that? So I hear that a lot. Um, the best way for me to, you know, cause that, that can be a multifaceted answer. Um, but I tend to tell this story sort of as a crosswalk to it because I think we can apply the principles, <clears throat> excuse me, we can apply the principles of this to this part of the journey. So when I, um, I have three teenage children. Wow. Right. <laughs> Tell me about it. So my oldest is a girl. She's now 17. And when she was 13, that transition, lovely as it is, um, of teenage girls and their moms. And so my first response to that, to all of the ways that she was trying to differentiate herself and the ways that we butted up against each other was for me to get bigger and say, I love you, but I need this other this, you know, this, I don't know who you are anymore. I love you, but I don't know who you are anymore. Just, it didn't work. It didn't work. I desperately wanted to communicate both love and I wanted her to be bigger and better than she, than she was acting, right? Mm -hmm. So then over time, as I see this method failing, instead of saying, I don't know who you are anymore, now when she demonstrates behavior that I know is damaging to her, instead my message to her is, I know who you are. I know who you were made to be, right? So crosswalk this <clears throat> to the balance component. We are taught very early on that our bodies are not something that can be trusted. And so that's kind of like saying, I don't know who you are. You know, you don't, th this body of mine, you don't necessarily have my best interest in mind. I can't trust your cues for hunger and fullness. I certainly can't trust your cravings or your desire to be satisfied, um, and so this, this transition for me, the balance for me comes in real true acceptance actually moves me in the direction of my best self, right? It, it just does. And we, we think that we have to do that by way of um, sort of the way I parented my 13-year-old, which is here are the rules though. Here's who you have to be. I just think we can be trusted far more than we're taught. And so once we start telling ourselves who we are, we move toward that. And I hesitate to use this next example because I don't want it to be about, I really need it to not be about losing weight, you know, but in this last year, it's the first year in two decades that I haven't dieted in some way, shape or form. And for the last three years, all I did was gain weight. I even stopped drinking, completely stopped drinking. Now, not that I drank a ton, but sure. that, that ought to have had some positive impact on the scale and it had the opposite impact. And so I've tried every single thing. This last year, what I tried was learning how to trust myself. And I didn't lose a ton of weight, but I got on the scale for a physical. And it's the first time in years that I lost any weight at all. And so it was just this confirmation for me um, that I can be trusted. I can trust myself and I know who I am. The same way I know that the second I tell my daughter, but I know who you are, she rises to that. <clears throat> I try to get out of the binary comparison of acceptance versus growth. It's not, they're not different. Acceptance and growth are the same. Beautiful explanation. Wow. You said something about trusting yourself. I just love every word you use. It's just I can tell you're a writer. It's just Thanks. poetic and beautiful, but thank you. You're speaking to a bunch of leaders. They are called to do great things, share their story, use their individual um, experience to make an impact in this world. And we talk about trusting yourself and stepping into your fullness and all of this stuff. 
you know, it's easy to look at a leader and say like, oh, you know, Sarah's just confident. Heather's just mm. confident. Like we, you know, this is easy for them. That's so far from the truth where we really have to step into that and really learn how to trust ourselves and use our voice and step yep. into our fullness. What would you say to these leaders listening right now who have their own story and their own experience and their own, you know, thing they want to change in culture like you have, but they're hesitating and waiting to really step into that and use their voice. Mm -hmm. What would you share with them? The confidence comes after the courage. So church girl, (laughs) I say it a lot because I hear it a lot from women. Um, They'll stop me and say, Oh, I would do what I would do what you do. If I could just have your confidence. I will often say to people, do not put me on a pedestal you're not willing to join me on um, because I, it is, I've done that to other people that I've followed in my life, right? I thought the same thing, like I would do what she does. I just, I'm not, I'm not as fill in the blank as her. Um, that, is a, that is a way that we keep ourselves small. That is a story that we write to, to invite ourselves to shrink because we're not certain that I, I think there's just this, this misidentification that I'm confident first and then I'm courageous. The truth about every single thing I've done in the last, well, honestly, I left a corporate career in 2016. So for a while now, um, I, I've been afraid probably every day. Fear is like a part of what I'm doing. But what happens is I don't know that I can do the next thing until I've done it. And then the confidence builds from that. I go, oh, oh, I can do that. Okay. And, and let's be clear too, not everything has worked the way I intended it to work necessarily. Some, there've definitely been some, some, there's been some failure along the way, but I, one of the sort of the principles I use in my life is that if I am afraid of something, then that's probably the exact direction I need to move because my fears might, is, is my own, it's my ego's invitation to stay small. So um, it means I just need to go that direction. So I, that's, that's what I would say to them. The confidence comes after the courage. You have to do the courageous thing first to know that you can do it. Yeah. What do you do to take care of your own mental health and mm. energy and protect yourself as a leader, somebody who's spearheading this incredible, vulnerable project that I'm sure pulls a lot out of you emotionally? What do you do to protect and guard yourself? So, um, I would love to, and then actually when we talk, I just referenced sort of failure and I don't like to necessarily credit this as failure, but this is probably the place that I am the, the weakest in my own practice. Um, I, I'm by nature a little bit of a driven overachiever. So, uh, I have to be really intentional, um, about my calendar. Actually, like that's the first thing I have to block out places for um, what I call incubating creativity, which sounds maybe a little silly, but I have to make space for it to work in me because I'm always, otherwise I'm always pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. And I'm not putting anything back in. Um, one of the other things that I committed to post diet culture was this commitment to figuring out what joyful movement meant for me, because I've always been in a gym. I don't know how to not move my body. So, um, the practice of yoga was really instrumental for me in this whole healing journey. Yoga has in many ways brought me home to my body. So that's a, that's a physical activity I've kept and I walk a lot and listen to podcasts. So I've made space in my life for joyful movement, for eating like I don't have to earn it, which means I sit down and I'm allowed to eat until I'm full. These are really, I know these don't sound like 
huge self-care things, but they are like the foundation of it. it is, I mean, when we're not eating and moving and resting, how good can I be to other people? And so I make really conscious efforts to eat and move and rest um, and make space for creativity to work inside of me and, uh, and continually learn in that process to trust my instincts about what I need and allow that to shift over time too. Mm -hmm. You know, what works for me today may not work for me in two months. I might need four hours to incubate the creativity and um, I might need to walk less, you know? Um, And that for me is part of the process too, of unlearning this notion of uh, that the goal is outside of me, that that I've set an external goal. These are all um, internal movements and that plugging into that is is the clearest form of self-care for me. Isn't it interesting, like this whole growth intuition, like journey is more of, I, for me, at least seems like it's more unlearning yes. than anything else. Oh my gosh. So I say often that um, my work right now is to unbecome everything I thought I needed to be Ooh. so that I can become everything I am. I already am. It's underneath here. I just have to unbecome all the stuff I was taught that is not useful and not valuable to me anymore. Mm. Now I have one question left for you. But before we do that, I want to hear more about your project, uh, who it's for, where -hmm. can people find you? Like, tell me everything. Okay. So the project, uh, the two platforms we're using for the storytelling collective right now is a podcast. It's beauty. The interviews, um, ordinary women, extraordinary truth is the idea. So I kind of grabbed it from sort of a humans of New York ish concept, right? This idea that there is there is just infinite wisdom in this in the common story that we're all walking around with. So I just invite ordinary women to the microphone. Um, the first season was really body centric. The second season is the season of survivors. So these are women who have all survived. Um, second season, super intense. Not going to lie. Definitely a lot of self-care needed as people walk through the second season because there is, man, we are walking around with a lot of trauma in our bodies. But these women talk about how they've healed and their resilience. And it just, it moves me every single time to hold space for these stories. So that's the podcast. Um, The blog is, I so I write and then I have guest contributions because I don't want it to be, one of the, the things that I hear sometimes is people, in fact, I just had this conversation last night with a woman. She said, so our logo is a B and it sort of looks like a full body. Um, and she said, sometimes I look at the logo and she's in a thin body. And she said, I, I want to know if, it, if the project is for me too. And the project is entirely about belonging. It, it is not about the size of your body or even the strength of your spirit. It is about this idea that the best version of you is the one that takes up space and finds and finds your voice. So that's who it's for. Do you have, do you have a story that you want to contribute to this collective? It's definitely for anybody who wants to contribute their own stories. You find us at thebeautifulproject.com, two L's, because it's beautiful, like full. You know, it's an invitation to yeah. be full. And we're on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Also, your TED Talk will be linked in the show notes encourage you to check out uh, her TED talk. It's powerful. I had chills to the entire thing. Beautiful work. Last question, Sarah, let's say we were to go back in time to that car where you're sitting there holding that pill bottle and there was this internal struggle in you. Yeah. What do I do with this? This is, I think that was a pivotal moment in your life. You're going to go back and sit in that car with that same woman 
and sit with her for just a moment and tell her one thing, what would that be? Hmm. You are already whole. You are already, you are not broken. I'd grab her face in my hands. I would nurture her the way, the way that I'm now learning to, because that's all she needed to know. You are already whole. You are not broken. Uh, And there is nothing to fix about you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have not subscribed yet, please head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And also, if you have a second, leave us a review. Lastly, we have a private Facebook group. If you are looking for a tribe of like-minded leaders who are unconventional in their approach, but dedicated to making an impact, head over to Facebook and type in unconventional leaders, and we will be sure to add you. You guys have a great week.